Send Parenting Radio, episode number 156. Hello, my name is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back. Zen Parenting Radio, podcast number 156. And this is our last one of 2013. How was your 2013, sweetie? It's really good. Zen Parenting Radio, it's a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom, that's you, and a logical and practical dad, that's me. We have three daughters, ages 6, 9, and 10, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. Do you have resolutions? Negative. You're not going to make. You're not going to have any resolutions. I resolve not to make any resolutions. Well, you can. Um, I feel like I say this every year, but for new listeners, you can always resolve to do good things for yourself rather than resolve to take something away. Like you resolve to, you know, spend more quiet time by yourself, or you resolve to not beat yourself up about things or you resolve to worry less. What are you going to do? You know, I I actually wrote a blog about this, um, but I can't remember what I said in the blog besides the basics, you know, like I breathe more and that kind of thing. But the thing that I... Are you really going to breathe more? Yes. I think you're just going <laughs> to breathe as much as you ever did, but maybe you'll have more conscious breaths. Conscious breathing, deeper breathing. Like What's that one thing in yoga where they say you only have a certain amount of breaths left in your life yeah so make them uh, count make them count so what that means is we have a um tendency towards short quick breathing totally so you're running out of those breaths so like let's say you have a million breaths left mm-hmm. if you slow everything down you're gonna be able to live longer that's right and slow quick breaths uh those make you anxious and stressful and slow quick you just said slow quick <laughs> you're right <laughs> quick short quick short quick thank there you, you. Go. short quick breaths create anxiety and they often come from anxiety Mm -hmm. and when we're breathing that way constantly you can understand why we're in like a hyper state all the time right and so if you're if you use conscious breathing um it's it you know slows you down physiologically slow down you move Move too too fast fast. you gotta make the moment Moment last actually that works for what we're talking about it does um but to tell you what i think my resolution is because i just thought of this as you were opening the show, is I am going to not storytell as much in my head. Ah. That's and, – and not so much – the stories will still come, but I'm going to do more like that's a story. Mm. Even if it's like a great like, oh, if I do this, then this will happen and this will happen and this will happen. It's too much expectation and it gets me really out of my day. Here's my thing about resolutions. What? I don't know. I just feel like most people don't follow through with them for the whole year. Including me. So I don't know. I just, I'm not big into them. Well, that's what I wrote about. And that's what my blog was about that, you know, I'm using the word resolutions just so we can all speak the same Happy New Year language. But I I just consider them a practice. Mm. Like I, the only way, you know, as, as I was writing this, I hope this didn't, I hope this came across in my in my blog, but the only way you're going to know if you can practice something is if you're kind of failing already. Right. Like once I start breathing shallowly, that's the only time that I can then practice breathing consciously. Right. If I'm, I can't stop storytelling until the storytelling begins. So my point in saying that is we're not going to do it perfectly, meaning you're going to, and I don't like the word fail, but you know what I mean. Right. You're going to be doing things you don't want to do, but then you can practice new new things. Does that have anything to do with a story that I just thought of 
my friend Chris Martin, who was going on a diet like in a day or two. Is that is that Taco Sixty Four? That's exactly who it is. And he went on a binge of eating really unhealthy food for no other reason than that he would lose that much more weight once his diet began. What do you oh, think of that? Well, you know, it's it's a it's a mental game. Yeah, that's a mental game. And I he also ate his height in Subway one time. Wow. in one sitting. He's five foot eleven, and on the so that's basically six foot longs. And on the second to last sub, he left off one inch. Oh. So that because basically so all these win. people gathered. No, he he did that on purpose because he just wanted to eat his height. Oh. So on the last one, he could finish the six sub in completion instead of just leaving that one inch off. Oh, that was nice. So that was more of a drama thing, and like all these people came in and watched him do it, and it was pretty cool. Is that fun for you guys to watch someone eat a big sub? I just can't imagine a group of girls being like, "Eat, eat." <laughs> I'd like to see that, but hold um, on, I want to get back on track real quick. Wait, but I wanted to tell the Taco Sixty Four story. Nobody knows Taco 64 <laughs> other than me and you. Forget it. Okay. Um, so here's my uh, mantra. The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. What we're talking about on the show today is um, headlights. You gotta If your headlights are dirty, you got to put on your windshield wipers. And that is not a physical reference. No. That is a psychological reference. Right. And I think we have to kind of work on that a little bit because the whole headlights and windshield wipers, they're kind of two separate things. When we get talking, I think we'll work it through. And then I'm working on a blog. I was invited by our guest from a week or two ago, Ben Martin. Mm -hmm. He asked me to write about marriage. Mm -hmm. And I've written some things down, and I want to share it with our listeners, even though it's not technically a blog, on The Good Men Project. That's the name of the website that he's an editor for. No, you just said, even though it's not technically a blog. What does that mean? I haven't even submitted it to him yet. Oh, it's not technically a blog there yet. Right. Okay. So you can't find it anywhere. Got it. But maybe by the time somebody's listening to this, it'll be up there. Mm-hmm. So the 11 mistakes I've made as a husband. Oh, so you're going to focus on the negative? Uh, yes. Okay. That's exactly right. And so are you focusing on the mistakes you made and how you resolved? Yep. Okay. That's exactly right. But first I want to talk about our first partner. You know what? What if you called it 11 mistakes I resolved? Um, right now, the name of it is called... Eleven mistakes I've made and why I'm a be- why I'm a better husband because of it. Oh, that's good. A little right. wordy. Yeah, but, you may, but it's good to to go on the upswing rather than on the downswing. That's right. The downswing is these are all my mistakes. So our first partner is Helping Hands Maid Services. They are cleaning our house today. Thank you, Helping Hands, for yes. coming in and saving us about shoot, five hours. Five hours of our time. Um, and their website is helpinghandsmaidservices.com. Their number is 630-530-1324, 630-530-1324. Give them a call and support them uh, and support us at the same time. Yes. So do you want to start with my thing or your thing? Um, I Let's do the windshield wiper thing and so we can end with all of your stuff. So we were in the car earlier mm-hmm. last week. Right. And we... It was snowy, and you're always putting your windshield wipers on when it's snowy because it gets all dirty. Right. And then I don't even know how we Well, to... this is this is how it began, and we're just speaking in metaphors here. We don't really care about your real windshield wipers or your I real lights. I actually do. It, it's that I was reading um, something in Mark Nepo's book, The Book of Awakening. And by the way, since we're going into a new year, The Book of Awakening is a um, day-by-day kind of 
by day, um, <laughs> by day, by day, um, is a a thought, um, a uh, an awareness for the day. And Mark Nepo is a poet, and I say that just because when you read his writing, you know the the analogies, the metaphors, the way that he says things is like you've never seen before. Right. And this will be. I just, you know, obviously I'm finishing up because we have two more days of this year, and I'm going to start it again on January first. Um, and it'll be my third time going through it, and I don't think I'll even remember all of it because it's so good mm. and dense, meaning it's not like it's that repetitive. It's just you get something new each time. My point is, is if anybody wants to read along with me, um, again, it's Mark Nepo's Book of Awakening. Every day he has something 365? 365. So, you know, order it today so you'll have it by January 1st or 2nd. And just know that I read them after I do my quiet time, and it's always good contemplation. Okay. But I was reading one of his, I can't remember what day it was, it was a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how when we're born, we're like a big bright light and that we see everything very clearly. We see, um, we're very aware of what's around us, we're very aware of all the goodness we see very clearly because our light is very bright. So you can kind of visualize a child who's just taking the whole world in because their light is so bright. And what happens over years um, and over in lots of experiences and time and getting hurt and disappointment and pain and whatever it may be is our light starts to get a little dim or it gets a little dirty mm-hmm. in the front. He actually talks about it getting dirty dirty like a headlight does when you're driving a car and you may have just washed your car and your lights are all clean, but as you drive into the elements, rain and you know sleet or dirt get on your headlights and you can't see as clearly anymore. And obviously what that means is you don't see things as they are. Right. You see it through dirt. Through your it, own through dirty your, filter. Through the dirty filter. And this is very similar to a few weeks ago, um, or it's probably longer ago, but we were talking about the, the grandmother who said something about um, dirty eye, dirty world. That if you were... You were? Well, yeah. Don't you remember? I can't remember what show we talked about it, but it was a quote that I saw about hmm. a grandma who her eye... You know, she was saying, if your eye is dirty, right. if your eyes are dirty, you see a dirty world. Right. And she was talking about how her windows were dirty and she couldn't see out and she thought it was gray. Right. And then... excuse me, when, actually, I think this was another thing from his book. Um, And then when the windows clean, all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's not gray out there. And our point in our conversation in the car was that it's our job as human beings to keep cleaning our light Mm -hmm. because, and the way we clean our light is through the tools that you and I talk about on this show and and all the tools you guys have on your own, not just ours. But the whole point, I think, of our existence is to be able to see clearly and to um, to continue even when we have challenges and pain that will dirty right. the, the light. Right. That's just what happens because you kind of go into that place where you just can't see clearly. But then our job is to use our tools and to clean that light again so we can see. Um, well, yeah, I think I agree. And uh, basically just any – what can I say? Any – experience that you have that fills your soul. Yes. That is how you clean your light. So yes. whether for you it's watching the own network. Yeah, that's one of the ways. Super Soul Sunday one or reading ways. books. And um you or know, being I, alone. Or being <laughs> alone or meditating or whatever. And what are some of the things that dirty your light? Um uh pain, you know, like when I or being afraid. Mm-hmm. Um when I'm afraid I've recognized that fear for me is kinda like a big um 
I've been describing it as a big ball of energy that when it comes in, I can't see anything clearly anymore, right. that everything feels scary, that no decision feels right, um, that every story gets um, distorted. And so now I – instead of I think long – or maybe not that long ago, I would have just been afraid and been like, how do I – what do I do about this fear? Now I realize there's nothing to do because I'm in fear and right. this is not the right time to make any kind of decision. So, um, you know, that's what really muddies. And and so when I am in fear, that's when I realize that I'm not seeing clearly and that I have to use tools. And, you know, you just said some big ones, um, but it's even as simple as taking a breath and realizing I'm telling myself a story. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as, you know, like you said, reading something or or talking to you about it. Well, I think where I want to go is um, sometimes you and I are not the best at literally cleaning our windows of our house. Yeah. And you don't really notice how dirty they are. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I get um, uh, – I decide that I want to do something today. So I go out and clean both sides of the window. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> Those windows are so clean and I can see the outside so clearly. Yes. I think my point is when they're dirty, you don't even know they're dirty. That's exactly right. But when they're cleaned off, you're like – so this is what the world looks like. And that's what I mean about fear is that that has been a, a work in progress for me is when you're in fear and you look at the world, you think that's what the world is really like. Right. You will say, well, everyone is going to screw me over. Mm. Well, that's I'm just going to fail at that. Well, people are going to hate me if I do this. And you're not even seeing things. You are your filter your lens is so dirty mm-hmm. by that fear that and that's what I mean about don't make decisions in that state of mind because that's not really what the world looks like. Well, and you're and I can appreciate the fact that you're using the term fear, but I just think of negativity. Like Well, I think of fear as being a negativity. Fear is to me, fear is the opposite of love. Fear is when you look at things that you think that there's lack. Mm-hmm. You know, you think that people are against you and not helping well, you. Well, yeah, and I guess I'm more thinking more practically. And what I, I think we're both saying the same thing with different terminology. Okay. If I watch the 10 o'clock news and see how many rapes and murders there were, that's, that's what I mean by being negative. And what you're saying is that's a negative, and what that does is creates fear well, inside of you. What is the news selling? The news is selling bad news. The news is selling fear. Right. And because what is what is right. the news? You're just a layer below me. Okay. I'm more like, what are the things you're that- You're saying you're above me. <laughs> in, this, in this instance, I am. Um, we're saying the same thing. You're just getting down to the more emotional yes. core of it. Yes, and, and you're I'm being more saying, literal. This, yeah, I'm yeah. being more literal, so. You're right. So let's be more literal about it since, you know, watch- There's only one though. This is one of those songs that I think is annoying. Yeah. But I still listen. Turn the engine, but the engine doesn't turn. Thank you, Jacob. I think it's got good background. Like, listen to this part. Like, what is that instrument? I don't know. talking about it's got to be something better than in the middle he's um he's talking about one headlight we're talking about both headlights that's right um so well maybe he's on a motorcycle maybe he is and that's his lens that he needs to clean 
And I, you know, I think that, like you said, on the more surface level, there is, you know, watching the news, there's reading scary books, there's taking in horror movies, there's gossiping, Mm -hmm. there's, um, you know, being um, unkind to people, Mm -hmm. there's taking out your you know, the way you feel on other people and think it's their fault, there's blame. Right. Um, all those things is viewing the world through lack. Right. And um, all those things are a very dirty lens. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to get to the point where, and I don't mean, and I don't mean this in a way where I don't have these things because my lens definitely gets dirty. But when I'm with people and they're so negative or so hard on other people or so heavy and they're blaming other people, it's so... You know, and they'll, it's so transparent to me that it's something they haven't worked through. Right. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying what they're saying about the other person isn't true. Maybe that person did say this or do this, but it's, you can always make a choice about that situation. Right. You don't have to carry that. You don't have to gossip about that. You don't have to decide that they're the worst person in the world. You may need to talk it through with someone you love, but it's when we like, we get negativity in our lives, and then we take that and project it out onto other people right. instead of dissipate that. Yeah, you join, you 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 feed the cycle. You become one of those people. That's right. Don't and, be one of those. Don't people. Don't be one of those people. And and it's not easy, you know. Um, that's the practice. That's the you know, like when I am frustrated at people or a situation, I really do have to write about it or talk to Todd about it. It's not like it never. It, can I say one more thing that's important about Please. this? One thing I just read recently that I thought was so true is if we can make the internal things that are going on external, meaning if we can speak what hurts us, if we can claim what we're afraid of, and in the book he he used the word, um, if you can sing it, um, if you can just get it out of your system, you will be okay. That most of the pain we carry is that we're not expressing expressing it. it. And that, and I know we say this in a million different ways, but he, again, I like the way he said, if we can just sing what worries us, what scares us, and that can be done through writing or, you know, talking to someone you love or, you know, in prayer, um, then we're free. But a lot of times we... You're going to sneeze? I'm going to sneeze. allergic to Madonna. Here's a big strong you just did a fake sneeze. I'm trying to get it going. Okay. Okay. Pause I'm, this, this I'm podcast for a second. I'm actually not allergic to Madonna. This is what my wife does. <laughs> she can't get a sneeze out, so she pretends to sneeze to get it going. Yeah. I bet I'm not the only one that works for. I think that's a little insane. No, it's not. You know what I, you do? You look to... at the bright light, and it kind of it creates some tension in your facial muscles. I think that's a made-up thing. I think... You making up a fake sneeze is more made up <laughs> than looking up at the sun or a bright light. Well, and I still do that because you tell me to do that, but I haven't had as much success with that as I have with my fake sneeze. I don't think you're giving it a chance. Okay. Well, my fake sneeze is not like I'm faking it. It's like I'm going, huh, to like start it moving and moving it along. If and- it's supposed to come out, see, you're always, you're always about allowing things to happen. Yeah. But you're pushing. Don't push. You well, got to allow, like me. I'm giving. <laughs> you got to be more like me. I'm giving it a little nudge. There's no push. Um, and I played Express Yourself because you're talking about letting things out. Yeah. Well, and Madonna sure let things out. She did. And see, and that's the thing is, there's a very fine balance between expressing what's painful 
and inundating people with your negativity. Right. There is this, I like the word I've been using uh, lately, it's like a tightrope walk mm-hmm. of you, there, it's this balance. And I don't think we ever find perfect balance. As you and I always say on the show, balance is just recognizing when you're out of balance. Right. It's recognizing, ooh, I'm doing a little too much complaining. I need to do some inner work. Or, wow, I'm feeling really, uh, really tight. I need to release some of these things I'm feeling. Um, and then going back and forth, there is no... Um, one way. You talked about tightrope walking. Yeah. For those of you who want to watch a good Netflix documentary, there's a documentary called Man on Wire uh-huh. about a guy who figured out a way to stretch a cable from one uh, World Trade Center tower to the other, and he tightropes. He walks that tightrope, and it's crazy, scary, amazing documentary. Do you know I almost watched that the other night when I went to bed, but I watched Teen Wolf I think, instead. I think it will grab you and you won't be able to turn it off. Really? And then when he gets up there, because they got it on video. I mean, it's crazy. And he makes it. I don't want to ruin it for you. Well, if he didn't, I'd know. Right? It's just an insane documentary. Okay. That's all I got to say. He's some German dude. I don't know. Anyways. Um, man on Wire. Man on okay. Wire. I'm going to write that on my notes. Man on wire. Very good. So do you want me to like summarize this really Sum quick? Because I know you want to talk. Okay. So basically all we're trying to say, we're just using a different metaphor to say the same thing, is that when we come into the world, bright lights, just like our kids, where we see everything, we see love, we look for love, we see joy, we feel joy. And through experience and time and years and, and pain and, and things that make us afraid, um, that, that light gets dirty. And it's our job to continue to clean that light and have tools to um, to use and, and to have awareness enough to recognize when we're not viewing the world through the most clear lens. Um, a lot of times, you know, the one story that we've told on here um, that I think is very powerful is the research they did where they took a group of people that they, you know, were optimists. And I don't know how they made that decision, maybe through testing. And then a group of people that were pessimists. And they had them both walk down the street. And the optimists found a ton of money Mm. on the street that was laying all over the street. The pessimists found none. Mm. My point in saying that is that it's everywhere. Not Mm. money, but but, I mean, well, that is too. Abundance is everywhere. Abundance is everywhere. But if you can't see it because your light is dirty, then you won't find it. I had a friend at college, and he was describing another friend who was kind of negative, and I'm not going to name his name just because I don't want to yeah, get him mad at me. Yeah, protect him. But he said, blank, I'll call him John. Johnny's yeah. the only guy that could walk down the street, find a bag of money, and say, ah, that's it? Exactly. Know what I mean? Yes, I do. I hear you. So, anyways. Um, so, I want to talk about our second partner, Helping Hands Maid Services. No, you already did Helping Hands because oh, they're coming today. Tree of Life Chiropractic. Yes. Uh, they adjust me and you and our three daughters. And if you live either in Elmhurst or Chicagoland area, give them a call. Uh, Dr. Kelly's been our chiropractor for a few years now, and we are healthy, um, adjusted human beings because of her. And when we're not, we know exactly what to do, and that is go to her and get meaning when someone's not feeling well or someone's out of alignment, we have a tool. Yes, we do. Um, so their number is 630-941-8733, and their website is com. And so now I want to talk about this. Nervous? Yes. First time. No, I've been nervous lots of times. <laughs> I love that line. Um, so this blog. So we've been married for 11 years, sweetie. Yes. Actually, it's going to be 12 in April. I know, but okay. we've been married for 11 okay. years. Uh, so these are 11 mistakes that I've um, made. One for each year? Uh, yeah, but I think most of the mistakes were discovered early on in the marriage. 
Okay. So none of them in the last four years? I've made no mistakes in the last four <laughs> years. Um, these are in no particular order. Are you going to do every single one? Uh, yeah, I think so. Or maybe we'll run out of time. I don't okay. know. Um, I need to find my drum roll, though, first. Um, number one, I made up for my ineptitude with grand gestures. Ineptness? Is ineptitude a word? It is for my writing. I think you made it up. Ineptitude. Ineptness. I am right. You are wrong. Okay. This you is, might be right. This is one of your mistakes in Ineptitude. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be my number one. Um, I don't know words. So what, what do you think I mean by that? Or would you like me to describe? I think you mean that when you didn't do something that maybe you knew you should have done, you did things like bring me flowers or buy me things instead of just saying you were sorry. Um, yeah, it's basically trying to overcome all your daily shortcomings with some grand gesture, whether it's like a weekend away. Not that you don't, not that wives don't like weekends away and things like that, but I think if they had a choice between a weekend away or you being available emotionally, physically, um, for that week, I think they'd rather have that. Yes. So it's about the small things, not about the big things. Always. Because it's about daily experiences. If you go on two trips a year, that's two times a year. Yeah, big whoop. <laughs> big whoop. And and again, it's not to say that isn't wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing where we get lost. Well, we say, well, we don't want to tell them that right. that's because that's such a big deal and we're spending so much money. It's not that that isn't nice, but the point in saying this is that doesn't make up for not being home ever. That's right. Because, you know, that's a bummer. So... Guys uh, or wives, if you happen to be listening to this, get your husbands on so they can uh, maybe learn from my mistakes. Um, So that's the first one. You ready for the second one? I am. I spoke a different language. Yes. What do you think that meant? That's uh, love language. By Gary Chapman. Yes. And um, we've talked about this. We've dedicated a whole show, and I could even include it in the show notes. But basically, your love language is what? Words. And my love language is? Acts of service. That's right. So I would show love by doing things for you like fixing the computer or uh, painting the kitchen. And as much as you appreciated that, your uh, love language that you most like to receive is me talking to you and me being there for you emotionally through discussion and things when i'm like talking that. right or or telling me things so um uh, but you know what i'll say about that sure. is that it's not it doesn't mean that now you have to speak my language it means that you need i need to recognize when you are being loving through your acts of service and you need to recognize when i need to talk to you or i'm telling you something we just had something the other day where i told you something that was it wasn't hugely deep but some some awareness i had which i tend to have on a daily basis, but I walked in and said, you know, something is going on and I'm not quite sure what, and you walked right by me and then started talking to JC about something. Yeah, we're in the kitchen. And I said... And I walked in because I think we're playing board games or we're about to eat dinner and I didn't know that it was of any significance because I I totally blew you off. Exactly. And the thing is, is, as I said later, it really wasn't that significant, but you and I, we made eye contact and I said, Todd, blah, 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 blah. And you didn't even acknowledge that no. I had spoken and no. you walked away. Yeah. So I kind of laughed and said, thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, it really wasn't a big enough deal. It's not like I said, hey, I'm thinking about, you know. Well. But, but it's funny. The fact that you said that will bring us into another one of my okay, mistakes. Okay, go ahead. But go I don't ahead. know if it goes, um, if it's the next one. Uh, number three mistake. Oh, I forgot my drum roll. I can't forget my drum roll. That's the only way to do it. I fixed your problems. Yes, as most men do. See, now that sounds like a really good thing. Why wouldn't I want to fix your problems? Because I didn't ask you to fix my problems. But you came to me with a bad day at work, so I told you how to 
change your behavior to make it a better day. <laughs> Thanks for telling me how to make things better. That's right. No, the the gist of it is is that you don't need to tell me how to fix things. I just need to be able. Do you remember what I was just saying about we need to speak what's going on inside? Right. Um, if someone can witness that and listen to that, then we're fine. Right. We don't need you to fix the problem because that's on the very surface level when really what we're trying to do is express our feelings. Right. You ready for the next one? Wow, you're just cruising right through. I am. Um, I don't really remember what number I'm on. Let's see. You're That's on four. One. This is number four. I thought we thought the same. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> so my example, and we've talked about this on the show, but to refresh everybody's memory, um, early on in our marriage, we were having lunch. Charlie called. I got the... I received the phone call. Nice, I, Charlie. That was really I, bad of I you. talked to Charlie for about 10, 15 minutes. For a whole lunch. So you sat there, and I and it's, it wasn't a terribly important call, but I had been trying to get a hold of him or whatever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So then you were quiet. You got back in the car, and I'm like, "What's going on with you? How come you're so quiet?" I think I told you at lunch. I think when you got off the phone, and I had finished eating because I remember exactly where I was sitting, and I said. I said something to the effect of, you just talked to somebody else through this whole... We weren't married at the time. Okay. So maybe this was a mistake during our engagement. Well, and and it was something that we needed to work through because you had a totally different relationship with your phone where you felt like when it rang, that meant you needed to be on it. Right. That that that, soup, that trumped all other yeah. requests. Well, but, you know, if I said, well, let's do this, you'd be like, but my phone's ringing. You mm-hmm. maybe, you wouldn't say it that bluntly, but it'd be, in, you know, it's interesting. I know you want to get through all of these. No, that's but all right. We're fine. I will say that I really have, and believe me, I love my smartphone. It's sitting right next to me. So I am not like one of those people who says I can't stand them. I love them. But I also don't have a relationship with phone calls that most people do. I do not answer phones. If I am even in the car driving and my girls are there, I don't answer the phone. And I know that may drive a lot of people crazy, but I don't. If I'm driving, and that's just, I think, maybe part of my introverted tendencies, if I'm already doing something or if I'm content in the car, I don't want to disrupt that flow. Right. Whereas maybe for the more extroverted, they need more they need other people to keep moving them along. Right. I don't know. But I don't – I mean, do you ever see me on the phone? Honestly, I know I text. Rarely. But yeah, like I can't think, you know, um, you know, I just am a face-to-face person. I want to see you and sit down and talk to you. Mm-hmm. It's not about not being with people. I feel like the phone is a very um, – I was going to say detached. Yeah. And you can't – you know, you can't – See, it's funny because everybody's different. Like I have friends – who write me these long emails yeah. about things that are going on in their life, and that's how that's his form of communication style. That's mine too. And I'm and I'm more pick up the phone and talk while I'm in the car driving from point A to point B. And I'm more either write it mm-hmm. or be with you. Yeah. So I have no problem. I'm not writing it to hide myself. Right. I'm writing it because I can express. I feel like on a phone call, you never know what the other person's doing, and it may be a little bit of the the um, residual effect that I have from being a new mom. Because whenever you were on the phone, it was always very stressful. And when you were calling your friends who were moms, it was always very stressful because there's always a kid there. So you always feel like you're on pins and needles, like, oh, do you have to go? Or, oh, I need to go. So I may be carrying that into mm-hmm. a different place. Right. Um, but I, I don't really like talking on the phone. That's all. That's that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Number five, uh, and this might be kind of the the deepest example okay. and it may not be the easiest to explain, explain, but I let her pass me by. And what that means is early on in our marriage, you began, you 
put yourself on this path of, uh, what's the word? I just wanted to know myself. Wanted self-awareness. Uh-huh. I think that's like the most common way to describe it. But, you know, self-realization, self-actualization, just try to be a better person yeah. by becoming more intimate with yourself. And I was – and you worked with coaches and you did all these things. You read all these books and you've been reading books forever. But I don't know. I feel like it just kind of – When I had the when I had JC. Went into a high yeah, gear. it went into high gear. So you were doing all these things, never asking me to do any of them. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh-huh. But I realized that I was still the same schmuck that you married three years ago. <laughs> and I was Good not... Good thing I liked you so much. I was not growing um, you know, emotionally, spiritually. And I kind of felt like I need to do something about this. So I started you know, working with people and I started reading books. And you know, most of that was... Uh, you know, I said, well, what do you think? So we started reading Wayne Dyer and doing these things. Going to see people. Going to see people. And I think that that is something, because here's the thing. Marriage can get pretty boring if you're not, um, I don't know, if for you and I, marriage would get very boring if we were not working on ourselves. Right. If all we did was go through our day. I don't know what we talk about because all we talk about is working. <laughs> and work nine to five and go out with your friends. These are all important things. But if that's all it was, I think we would run out of things to say to each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're with somebody for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, eventually, I mean, unless you're creating something new, You've heard all the stories. Or you are – because what I envision like when you and I go out to lunch is I've usually had – I'll just speak for myself – like a, a deep awareness or, oh my gosh, I realized this about myself or, oh my gosh, this person triggered me this way or I'm really, really afraid of this. And those are the things I share with you. And so there's two parts to that. Number one is that I'm constantly um, noticing myself right. and that – I need someone to witness that, which is you, and that you are available to hear it. Because if you are being deep and and trying to go inside and you're you're trying to share that with someone who doesn't want to hear it, then you're going to bump up against a brick wall and it's probably going to cause some pain. Because when you're really sharing yourself in a real intimate way and the other person's like, ah, get over it or big deal or I don't care, that hurts. Um, so I'd say, you know, when we go out to eat, that's the majority of our conversations is, well, what did you, how'd you deal with this? How'd you feel about this? I think my biggest fear is like, and I don't think this will happen, but before we kind of started on this kind of different path, uh, would be us reading the paper or whatever, reading our iPad together in 30 years, whatever, whatever we do, and have nothing to say to each other, going out to dinner and really having nothing new other than... How was your day, dear? Um, I have two funny things to say about Todd is he has two images from movies in his head that scare him. Number one is in When Harry Met Sally when they're playing Pictionary and they're wearing suspenders. Drinking wine. And he said, I never want to be that person. Yeah, they just seemed like they were trying to be more grown up they were and old. adult than they were. When that really scared you is when you were still drinking beers and chugging three before we went home. Yes. And so, because I think you do play picture, like last night. Right. That's what we did. You right. know? But I don't wear suspenders. You don't wear suspenders like Billy Crystal does. And the other scene that really scares you is from Singles mm-hmm. when, what's her name, Kira Sedgwick and her- Settles for the old Settles boyfriend. for the old guy with the glasses. And the ponytail. And the ponytail. And they're sitting there reading the paper and they don't talk. And then he just says, I love you. Yeah. She says, I love you too. And then they don't talk. I know. So the, Todd's got those ingrained in his head like, I must not be these people. And I'm not even criticizing that it's kind of cool because it gives you a frame of reference of keeping things right i don't want to go down that path it's like and those 
those scenes are well. I they're don't great think, reminders. They're great reminders. Yeah. All right. Uh, number six. I did not put you on the calendar. Yes. And this is all about dates. Yes. We went years without having any form of consistent dates. And a lot of that was because we had young kids. It was right. hard. It was a vehicle of our circumstances because we had young kids. But now um, we have, for the most part, a weekly Monday night date. For the most part. And it doesn't have to be this big, huge thing. We go out for an hour and then we come back. Yeah. And it's funny because now we have a little more flexibility where when we don't go on Monday night on our date, because there's been a few times we haven't because of Monday night football, um, that we will then go to lunch on Saturday or or we have more, our kids are a little older. Um, But it it cannot be understated how important it is to have a relationship with your wife that has nothing to do with her motherhood. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know? In, for so many reasons. For so many reasons. <laughs> because this is the woman that I decided to marry. And if all I see her as a mother to our children, that's not that's not even close to who you are. You know, we were just watching uh, Friends with Kids a couple weeks ago, which I, we hi- I highly recommend, by the way. It was our second time seeing it, and I think we liked it better the second time. But there's a scene where this couple, well, they're not even really a couple, they're best friends, guy and a girl, and they're talking about that, about how it's so weird when a child comes along and you've kind of waited this significant time in your life to find this person in the world that you want to spend the rest of your life with, and then a child comes along and all of a sudden you don't pay any attention to that person you've waited for or looked for right. and you just pay attention to the child. And again, I know it's um it's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, of course you do when they're young and of course it's absorbing, you know, it's it, it's very difficult to not. Right. But it's something to think about that you really want to maintain. What I would say is your friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, people always be like you have to be romantic. Mm-hmm. I think romance comes out of friendship. Right. I don't think you have to light candles all over the house to because I think intimacy, right. which is me being able to be myself with you, is romantic. Right. And that's just me. Maybe somebody else needs some roses, but right. I don't know. Yeah, and roses are expensive, so I like it the way you like it. But sometimes you get them at Jewel and they're not so expensive. No, if they're on sale, <laughs> they're already half dead. And that's fine because they'll, they'll last for a day or two. You know, you got to right. take it. I like roses. Uh, number seven, I thought we were supposed to grow together. And this reminds me of the Thich Nhat quote, which I don't have available to uh, me. The one in our room? But basically, it's the idea of our interests, our opinions kind of merging into one. And that totally gives me the heat. Me too. It made, it made me like cringe. And I think what I mean by that is I picture us as two trees right. that are kind of close to each other, but we do not grow as a single tree. No, we grow I side by side. I have my interests. I have my things. I have my opinions. I have... My friends, not that we don't have share friends also, but I need my own life. Absolutely. And you need your own life. And the idea is for me to share my life with you and your life with me. But if it becomes our life, that's messed up. Right. And even though we may say this is our life, meaning our children, our home, in the most deepest, deepest thing, it love, you know, I always say this, Maya Angelou uh, quote, love liberates. I set you free. Go be who you are. And the thing that we don't understand is even though that scares us, like, oh, if I set him free or her free, she'll leave me. Actually, it's the opposite. All people want is that sense of being accepted and freedom to be who they are. And if you hold too tight, it breaks. And, you know, it's like saying... You know, like, and there's things that we definitely negotiate mm-hmm. where I, I will be worried about this or offended, or, um, you know, I, I hope that we can do something together versus separate. But majority of the time, 
you know, do what you need to do. Right. And we just, what we work on... As long as it's not detrimental to the family system. Exactly. That's what I was going to say, is we work on fairness and balance. There's not one of us who gets more than the other, or at least it's, you know, we try to not make it that way. Meaning, if you're going to do this, then I'm going to get time for this. Right. You need to work, I need to work. Right. And then we need our together time. Right. So, you know, these are these are balancing acts, man. Number eight, I let things roll off my back. <laughs> So once again, that sounds like a positive, right? right. But and that and this goes both ways. It's important. I think what uh, another way of saying it is sweeping things under the rug. Yes. Or just not not absorbing anything. Yeah, not absorbing anything. So basically, if you say something that upsets me, uh, there was a time when I would not vocalize it or say anything about it, and I would store it. Until it either came out or got buried somewhere in my system and it's still sitting there. Or you just – I envision you having somewhat of a force field and you don't even take it in. Right. You don't even take it in or take it on. Right. And so the two things that happens, either number one, I don't feel like I'm connecting to you or number two, I take it on for you. Right. And just so you guys know, I know you're going to think I'm a little wacky, but um, these are things that I know or you know feel right to me is that, I, that, that I, you, there is someone in the family who will take on the emotion. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's one of your chi- your children <clears> – <throat> I can't get my words out. Sometimes it's you know you. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it may be, it may be your partner. Sometimes your children will. Even your pets will take on your emotion. I was just reading a, an article about even though I feel like we've known this for a long time about how sometimes animals even get sick when there's a lot going on in the family because they're absorbing that energy because right. they love you. Right. It's not like you're you know doing it to them. It's because they love you. And so my point in saying this is that. Um, you know, at the early in our relationship, I had a lot of emotion that I carried that wasn't mine. Mm-hmm. It was Todd's. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Well, and I think what I will say is don't let things build. Yeah. Because when they build, they can explode. So deal things, deal with things, relatively speaking, in the moment. Yes. So maybe not in the moment when you're you're at dinner and you're trying to have a good dinner, but maybe before you go to sleep saying, hey, we need to talk about this because right. I'm not feeling good about it. Or do we need to talk about right. this? Right. You know, like at least question it because sometimes you do right. and sometimes you don't. And this is the um, the difficult part for the man or the woman is you have to be brave enough to say what you're feeling. Right. And, you know, um, I've said a lot on this show that people will comment that Todd and I, you know, well, you don't, they'll say, you don't understand my marriage or, you know, you guys have it easy. And I, I really need people to understand that there is no easy, mm-hmm. that it's about saying what you feel mm-hmm. and that that's really hard right. every time. It's scary because it's that feeling that you won't be accepted or, you know, that feeling that you might be alone or right. all those fears that everybody has. Um, it's a practice. Right. So. All right. Number nine. Uh, I, I think you're going to like this one. Okay. I like all of them. I talked down to her in the presence of others. Yes. Oh. So explain what that one's all well, about. Well, Todd, I, I, I don't know where this came from, and this was kind of early, but he thought it was funny when he made fun of me in front of other people in his family. Which is something I would never do when it was just you and I. Never. It was the fact that we were in an environment, and maybe it's because I didn't want to be vulnerable. I don't know why I did it. But I would, you know, it's not like I would kill you with my words, but I would just say it's like an underlying backhanded. Well, you would set me up where the other people would laugh at me and you would laugh along. Right. And it was very strange to me because I didn't grow up with that. And I think everybody wants to hear an example, but I can't come up with one. Oh, like some, like someone would say, maybe we'd be at a family thing and someone would say, well, Kathy, this really bothers you. And I'd say, not really. And you'd go, yes, it does. Mm-hmm. And you would like try and like... You know, instigate, instigate it, it or where, build pe- on where it. I was totally alone. And again, that those 
those are the kind of things that chip away right. at a relationship. That situation is not a killer. Yeah. But when they happen all the time or when you start – I actually had to uh, – I said to Todd at one point, I don't remember, but I really feel like you <laughs> are making fun of me and mm-hmm. that you're not on my side. Right. And you don't need to be just on my side and, and forget about everybody else. But I basically just said, please don't make fun of me in front of other people. So just don't make fun. Yeah, well, and that's that's part of partnership, right? I mean, you and I make fun of each other in a light way. Right. But it, not at the expense of of And like I said, my behavior was different around other people, and I don't know why that was. Don't you think there's an uncoolness about loving your wife yes, too much? Yes. That people will say you're And what's weird is as I get older, it becomes easier. When you, let's say you're in your 20s, you first start dating a girl, you never want to make you never want your buddies to know that you actually like a girl. Right. It's because so that's so up. uncool. Right. So so go from that to being in a loving relationship and you completely and wholeheartedly have your wife's back. Right. Like it takes a while to get from the 20-year-old kid who doesn't want his friends to think that he actually likes a girl because that would be in defiance of his friendship with his buddies to completely having – I respect my wife with all of my heart. I would never talk down to her. Yeah, and I think that that's why a lot of us still carry that inner 20-year-old because I would say for the woman, it's to call their man a jerk, to say that he doesn't do anything for her, to gossip about him with her friends. And when people are still doing that in their long-term marriages, there has to be... So women do it too in other ways because we were kind of trained to be like Mm -hmm. men are jerks. And that's not true. Um, Because men are awesome. (laughs) But what I will say about that is that... um, um, it was, it's I can't late. remember. Okay. Number 10, I made a big deal when I did something nice. <laughs> this so, is so funny. Here's my this example. This is such a good blog. This is like our... So um, you would clean the kitchen. <laughs> Out of 21 days, you clean it 20 days. And the one day of those 21, I would clean it. And I'm just making this up, but this is kind of an illustration of what I'm talking about. And I'd say, hey, Kathy, <laughs> you check out that kitchen today? You know who did that, don't you? Yeah. And then and what that does is makes – because I wouldn't say, hey, Kathy, thanks for cleaning the kitchen every day for 20 days. I would simply exalt my own performance the one day out of 21, mm-hmm. and I think it would end up making you feel bad about or unappreciated for the days that you would do it. Well, it makes you feel unseen because I'll tell you something. I'm sure that many women and maybe some men have this role too in their homes – there are things that I do all throughout the day, cleaning up, putting away, uh, cleaning the kitchen, doing the dishes. And Todd does some of this too, but I do it majority yeah. of the time. So, And no one says anything about it. Right. You know, That's just expected. Right. Like That's why I say to the girls when they take off their socks and throw them mm-hmm. on the couch. I'm like, who's going to do that? Right. Um, it's just expected. And so when you do – when you clean the kitchen, you don't do this at all anymore. You would say, look, no, what, I I, look yeah. what I did. I need validation. And I would say, hey – I do this every day and I don't ask for validation. So it's actually a good learning experience, right? Right. Right. Because we realize how validation is so important. Um, Last but not least, I didn't fight fair. And this talks Mm. about our Achilles heels. Did we not fight fair? Um, Or did we learn? I I think, well, let me talk about it from your perspective. Okay. My Achilles heel was silent treatment. Right. And there were times when you gave me the silent treatment. Right. And I can't stand it. It drives me nuts. I'd much rather have you be mad at me than give me the silent treatment. Right. And yours, I think, is you know, lack of validation, lack, lack of listening. 
and I say this just because I think a lot of husbands are going to read this and and not even know what their Achilles heel is or well, what their wife's Achilles heel. The bottom line is that's like the third rail of the marriage, and yeah. we do not go there. Yes, like if you know that your wife has a fear of loneliness right. or a fear that she's not a good mom right. or a fear of of something like that, and you use that yeah. to scare her or say something like, "Well, maybe you aren't a good mom," right. or something that you know just hits her in the heart, that's not fair. Right. Because you are you're just trying to win. Right. You're just trying to walk away the yeah. and really you're losing. Right. But you know, and for Todd and I we had to figure out what those things were um and you know, be conscious of it. I mean, it's it it's being aware of of yourself. So recapping, I made up for my ineptitude with grand gestures. I spoke a different I spoke a different language. I fixed your problems. I thought we were the same. I let you pass me by. I did not put you on the calendar. I thought we were supposed to grow together. I let things roll off my back. I talked down to you in the presence of others. I made a big deal when I did something nice and I didn't fight fair. So I guess that means I have to do 11. That's right. So maybe next week we'll do my 11 mistakes I made. Okay. If you can, yeah, put that on your list of things to do. (laughs) Our last uh, partner is Avid Company. They do painting and remodeling. Hey, it's the new year. It's time to get a new kitchen or a new bathroom. Yeah, your bathroom. It just needs to get an overhaul. Believe me. Believe me. I've been in it. Paint the inside of your house. Uh, Avid Company. Jeremy Kraft is the owner. He's awesome. 630-956-1800. You want to give him a chance. And instead of us doing any self-promotion, all I want to say is that we have this program called BU and we have... One stream of revenue that we have just started on our new Zen Parent- Has it streamed? Do we have any revenue yet? Not yet. Okay. We're working on so it. So it's not a stream. We need to begin the stream. Zen Parenting Radio. So on the right-hand side of our homepage is a box, Amazon.com. If you shop with Amazon, if you go to our homepage first and then click on that and then do your shopping, we're going to get a cut. And with that cut, we're going to put it back into our BU program, which helps – um, you know, fifth grade boys and girls uh, get keep connected to themselves. Social and emotional learning. That's right. So uh, it doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't cost you any more money on Amazon. It just basically is. Yeah, a, the money comes from Amazon. Yeah. It's not from you. Right. So uh, go to our homepage, com, and then also uh, just sign up. Uh, there's a email uh, sign up and then there's also to get the podcast delivered directly to your inbox. Yeah, just go to our website and check it out because you, if there's things that you've been missing or you want to stay connected to us, there's several more ways to stay connected to us. Um, the website looks really good. Yeah, we're very happy. We're with still it. working through it. So um, this is Todd Adams saying farewell. And this is Kathy Adams. Have a great new year and we'll see you in 2014. Adios. <laughs>